Morning, you've all gone quiet. Are you still out there? Okay. Can't see you. Can we just get a bit of light out there? So, thank you. Um, I've got some new glasses on. So, the, the, I've been to the opticians five times in the last four weeks just to try and get my glasses right. And I'm still seeing double vision. So, if, I, if you think I'm not looking at you, I'm being rude. I'm not. I've just got double vision, right? There's, there's 500 people in this church today. That's what it looks like to me. I mean, it's bad enough having one leash shown, but I have two. Whew. Do you know what I mean? We've got serious problems. Thank Jesus for the cross and the power of the resurrection because I need him if there's two of him in the church. But, but it, it, we love you, Liam, only kid. He knows I'm joking. I know him very well. He gives me more jip than that, trust me. But um, yeah, it's Easter, it's Easter Sunday. And um, Easter Sunday, we can't have Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And as Ben said, I spoke on Friday at a church in Nottingham. They were doing an outreach event, and it was great, and, you know, really privileged to go. But Good Friday, to me, we can't have Easter Sunday without Good Friday. But I always say to the kids, you know, it's Good Friday, and they'll go, what, what, why is it Good Friday? I'm like, you're the pastor's kids, you should know this. You know, you've been in church since you were born, and these, why, what's it good? In their mind, they're thinking, what are we doing on Friday? <laughs> you know, it's Good Friday. And I'll say, and, and Liv, it'll usually, usually be the little, and she'll say, it's Good Friday because Jesus died. And they both look at each other like... What's good about that? You know, what's good about that? And now, if you know the message, you know the message, you know, that it was Good Friday because Jesus died for our sins. But it didn't look like a Good Friday, did it? If we're honest, if you were friends with Jesus at the time and the promises he made to you about a new kingdom and everlasting life, and then, but actually you looked at him and you saw him dying on a cross, it didn't look like a good day, did it? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be real about this. And most of us are like that. We look at our lives, we look at life, we look at the world, and we think it's not a good day, don't we? But the good news is this. God can turn a, good, a bad day into a good day. And that's the hope that we have. That's, we know that because we live the other side now. We live on Resurrection Sunday. We've seen that, we've heard the story. Some of us have discovered it for ourselves because we've received Jesus and we have the promise and we have the spirit in our hearts. So we know what Jesus has promised us and he promises for the future. But many of us live in a bad day. Many of us live in a bad day. Many of us face a bad day. Each one of you will face a bad day at some point because you'll all physically die and you'll face it. And that'll test what you actually believe deep down. It'll, it'll test what you actually believe. Do you actually believe the promise and the hope that God gives to us? Because otherwise, your bad day is going to be a bad day. But here's the good news. God can turn your bad day into a good day. You know, whatever you face in life, God can turn it around. God can use it to, for good, and that's what he promises. It might feel like a bad day. You might be having a bad day now, but I'll guarantee if you trust God and stick with God, he'll turn your bad day into a good day because that's what he did with Jesus. Jesus faced a really bad day. It was, it was having a bad day. The disciples saw that he had a bad day, but the other side of it was there was a good day coming. You know, somebody needs to hear that. There's a good day coming. Stick through your bad times, push through, stick with God, hold on to the promise, and I'll guarantee you'll see a good day the other side of it. We just don't like the bad days. But here's the deal, right? Easter Sunday, what went on with Jesus is all about the wonder and the goodness of God. They didn't understand it at the time. Most of us still don't fully understand actually what it means, but it's all about the wonder and the goodness of God. And I'm just going to give you three things this morning that I think can help us personally, but also what helped those at the time when they were around with Jesus, but also I think what helped Jesus to get through his bad day to get to his good day. So here's the first thing that I personally have discovered, 
But I believe what got Jesus through his bad day. So I'm just going to read from Titus 1, verse 2. And this is Paul writing to Titus, and he's writing to encourage him in something. He says, I, Paul, am God's slave and Christ's agent. Sounds cool, doesn't it? I'm a secret agent. I'm an agent for God. For promoting the faith among God's chosen people. Getting out the accurate word on God and how to respond rightly to it. My aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. This is the life God promised long ago and he doesn't break promises. Wow. So Paul's job after Jesus was to point people to raise the hopes. Anybody want some hope? I don't want to live in a world where there's no hope. Despair. You don't know what's going to happen. But with God, there's a promise of hope. And Paul's job was to raise hope. My name's Paul. I want to raise your hope this morning. I want to say to you, there's a hope. No matter what you face, there's a hope. Even if you face death, there's a hope. How do I know that? Because I know Jesus faced death, and the other side of it, we have a hope. And I'm going to choose to believe that because I've not found anything else in the world where there's a hope that promises something like this. So there's a hope that Paul's pointing to and he's saying, I want to raise your hope. And the hope is not in him. The hope is not in me. The hope is not in your next door neighbor. The hope is in a God who promises. And this God doesn't break his promise. A little bit about this God as well. Not that I know a great deal about him. I'm just discovering little bits when I read the Bible. Is this, he doesn't change. He's also everlasting. He's been around. He's outside of time. I know what you're thinking. Well, what created the beginning of the world and what was before God? God is outside of our time, logical mind. He just is and he exists. He's everlasting. That means if God's on with a promise and God's going to do something, it's not just going to be a a quick fix or a one-minute thing. It's going to be an everlasting thing. So when God promises something... He's also a God who doesn't change and he fulfills his promise. And Jesus Christ understood this because the Bible says he was sent by God to fulfill a promise that the Father had promised to people, to you and me, to the whole of the world. And he promised to save us, send a savior into the world to save us. Now, in the day back in the Old Testament, they thought that was to bring in a new ruler and a new king to take over the world. But this king was very different to what God had planned. It was a king over all things, a king over death. He was the king of life. And God had promised to bring life to those who were dead spiritually in this world. And the Bible says that we've all fallen short of God. We're all distant from God. We're all sinners and we all are disconnected, cut off from God. But God had a plan because he promised it and he was going to fulfill his promise and he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. So what got Jesus to that cross and through the cross was the promise. It was the promise of a father who doesn't change, who is committed and is everlasting. Let's read the next scripture. We've got Hebrews. This is to the believers. I'll just read it from a bit further down. Uh, It says, let's keep a firm grip on the promises. So I don't know what you're holding on to in life. I don't know what your hope is. But I want to hold on to a promise that's from a God who who has fulfilled his promise and as an everlasting promise and who doesn't change. He's not like, you know, men and women in this world who change their mind and say things and don't say things. 
or don't fulfill what they said. Oh, I read a promise the other day, and you raise it. Promises to be smoother than any other razor. I was sold. I'm like, I'm having that razor. It says guaranteed. It even put guaranteed on there. You're looking at me thinking, I'm not touching a razor with that beard, right? It said the smoothest ever razor, guaranteed or money back. Get your first lot for four pounds, but you have to sign up to it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I see this one coming. But the words almost took me in. But I know that probably there'll be another razor that's even more smooth than that in the future because that's what think happens with products and things. But here's the deal. God doesn't, doesn't, doesn't promise and not fulfill. He's a God who fulfills. And here it says, hold on to the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. And then it talks about how we should love one another out of living out of that promise. God is a God who doesn't change his mind and he's got a promise for your life and my life and it's a, God that, it, it, it's a promise that doesn't change and it's a promise that's everlasting. Pretty good that is. And Jesus held on to the promise. He held on to the Father's word, what he'd asked him to do. He promised the people that he'd save them. He promised the people that he'd love them. He promised the people that he'd forgive them. He promised that he'd protect them. He promised. So he was fulfilling his promise through Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what you're holding on to. You may hold on to the, you know, your job or you know, these things that you are, are, are probably more important than putting Jesus number one. But if you hold on to Jesus, I'll guarantee you'll get all that other stuff anyway. But here's the deal. You hold on to Jesus, it'll give you hope and it'll give you life like you've never known before. Hold on to the promise. Jesus held on to the promise. He went through death and the other side was the fulfillment of the promise. There was resurrection life. There was new life, which is available to you and me. Most of us, I think, come to the cross and think, this is hard work, but actually there's something on the other side. There's a victory in God. There's new life. But the first thing we have to do, like Jesus, is have an ear, a hear to hear the promise. If we don't hear the promise, we won't receive the promise. We'll have nothing to hold on to because we've not opened up our hearts to believe in a God who loves us. How do we know he loves us? Because it says he died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. To make us right with him. To bridge the gap. Let's read John 3.16. Well-known scripture. It says, God so loved the world. Who's the world? You. It wasn't the world 2000, just over 2,000 years ago. It was the world today and it was the world tomorrow. Jesus' word isn't, you know, it happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus' word and promise is the same today. And it's for people today. It's for you. It's for those who, don't, who are not in this building. It's for your next door neighbor. It's the promise that God said, God so loved everybody that he gave his one and only son. The promise is still alive today and the promise is still here today. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I've not, found, I've not found any promises or guarantees anywhere than in this. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose to believe this. I'm going to choose to believe this in my heart. And I'm going to hold on to it. Even the day I die, hopefully, I'll be holding on to this because I have nothing else to hold on to. And I just hope the other side, just like Jesus discovered on the cross, the other side was a victory that the Father gave him. 
And he chose to trust in the promise and trust in the Father. And the other side, even though it was horrendous, the other side was such a victory that the whole of this world has been impacted by his promise today. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, maybe you're a believer, keep holding on to the promise. Keep believing in the promise. Even when you face a wall that you've never faced before, hold on to the promise so you can get through the other side and discover God and his victory that he has for you. I don't know if you, maybe you're not a believer this morning and you don't know God. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I've heard about God, but I don't actually know him myself. Well, you can know God. And you don't know God by what you do. You know God by what he did. He comes to you. He knocks on your door. He loves you. How do we know that? Because he gave himself for you. And he continues to tell you the message. He continues to tell you the promise that there's, there's forgiveness of sins for you. There's, a, there's being made right with God through what he did. All you have to do, this is the good news, is to believe in it and accept that word into your heart. Are you okay this morning? Hear the promise. Have a heart to hear the Father's heart for you. Not just a message, not just religion, but a God who's alive today and who loves you and wants the best for you in life and wants to make sure that your destiny and your future is safe in his hands. Don't put it in your own hands. Put it in a God who's everlasting, who loves you, who's never changing, whose love never changed. Hold on to him and believe it in your heart. The second thing that Jesus did on the cross and that also that we can do as believers is this. And this is the most wonderful, almost unbelievable thing that he did here. But it's available for you and me today. And it was to do with the exchange that was at the cross. There was a bit of a deal done at the cross. Any, any dealers and wheelers in here looking around? There was a deal done at the cross. Have you ever been to any of these exchange shops? Does anybody go any? You're not going to own up to that, are you? I went to an exchange shop. I went to get something with the girls, and you go in. And I was like, I got something for a quid that three years ago was 50 quid. I was like, get in there. What a deal. Obviously, you don't go those. Any car booters in here? You're not going to own up to that. Come on. Any car, anybody been a car boot sale? You can get some right bargains at a car boot, can't you? You get a right good deal. Okay, we, we've, we've done car boots before. We, we did one trying, trying to put stuff in the back of the car. I'd literally, I hadn't even got the boot open and somebody was opening my boot and was in my car. <laughs> the guy's after a good deal. Don't blame him. But you know, the deal that was done at the cross was a deal that was way beyond anything we can imagine. And I don't think sometimes we, we, we can believe it. I don't think sometimes we, we don't feel worthy of this deal. We don't feel that we can accept what God's done for us because we're still holding on to what we've got in our lives and we don't want to let go of what we've got so that we can exchange it with what God's got. Anybody ever, anybody going away? You're going away this week, aren't you? All right. have, you have you been the Bureau de Exchange? Yeah, you're nodding. Yeah, he's, he's been the Bureau. Who, who goes to Bureau de Exchange? I only knew that word at school because of French. It's the only word I, I learned in French. And you go, everybody, everybody knows what it is, don't they? Because the only French I learned at school, un, un, deux, trois, that, that was it, and then bureau de exchange. And you're like, I know, there's a bureau de exchange. You, you know what it is, right? But you go to the bureau exchange, you get your dot. Is that, am I saying it right? No, what is it? 
What is he? That's it, right? See? See? But you knew what I meant, didn't you? See, that's all that matters, Steffi. That doesn't matter. God knows. He loves me. Right? The Bureau de Change. Change. There you go. That one, right? You know what it is? I'm not interested in French. Great win last night, football. Come back on task, right? Great win for the... For, and he beat Germany. Any Germans in here? That's worse than my French, that is. Right, here's the deal, right? The Bureau Exchange, what happens? You go, you take your money, right? And you get some money back, wherever you're going. The problem is, they charge you something. And you, you, they, they charge you to, for, for that exchange. So it's like, it's like everything is in this world, everybody's after something. Well, even if I'm making a deal, somebody has something off me. But the great deal about God is this. In his exchange, he comes to take everything that's not good in our lives. He says, I'll come to you, I'll take all your rubbish off you. I'll, I'll take everything. Let me in your house and let me just go, no, I like that stuff. You're not taking that off the shelf. I like my little bits in my house. And God says, no, 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 it's rubbish. But let me use that rubbish and let me use it for good and let me form something with it and sculpt something with it, right? And amaze you by what I do with it and build it up in your house. So you think, wow, where have you got that from? And he goes, that's you and your rubbish and look what I've made out of you. And then what he does is he cleans all the rubbish and he takes it out of your life. And then he comes back and he says, I've got you something even better than what you had. I want to pour in all of my goodness into your life. What? Everybody's after something in this world. I don't trust. Well, let me just take all of your rubbish. All of it. When you're ready, let me just remove it out of your life. And let me pour in all of my goodness. What well, all of it? Yeah, all of it. So what goodness do I get? Well, I make you right with me. But well, I don't have to do anything. No. I, I make you right with me because of what I did by taking on your rubbish and your attitude and your rebellion. I took it at the cross and it was put up on me all of the sin of the world in your life. I took it off you and put it on the cross and then what I did after the cross I poured all of my goodness into you for those who believe what does that mean you're now right with me you if you believe in God that God died for your sins that you are made right with God <laughs> right with God not because of what you did because what of he did Anybody been in London? Any Londoners in here? One, two, not many. Come on, who's been in London? Anybody been in a city where you've got a tube? It's been on the tube? Yeah. I, I remember as a kid going on the tube. I, I remember walking down the corridors and going down, and it's like the, the atmosphere changed, and all of a sudden it felt like this warm air blow towards you. I was like, ooh. I was like, what's that? Where's that coming from? First time on the tube with my mum. I'm like, whoa, this is like going into the depths of the earth. We'll be in Australia soon. Where are we going? Where are we, mum? And this warm air blowing, and then he had this noise. And I always remember, right, walking and hearing this noise. Mind the gap. And my mother's like, ah, mind the gap. Get back from the gap. And I'm like, I can see the gap. There's somebody on the thing telling me there's a gap. There's a big sign there. There's a sign there saying, mind the gap. What's up with you? Mind the gap. And my mum's going, mind the gap. Holding us back. And it, 
this is, reminds me a little bit like God and what God did with the gap between me and him. And there was a gap that was actually bigger than that gap that was actually too big for me to get over to. As much as you try in life, you can't reach the gap to get to God because none of us are perfect None of us are righteous, none of us are holy, and God is holy and righteous and pure, and he's never done anything wrong. There's only good in him, there's only light in him, there's no evil in God, so I cannot get to God because of what's in my life. And there's a gap that I had to mind, and I tried to keep going over the gap, but it wouldn't work. And this is kind of what God did. He pulled up on the tube, filled in the gap, and said, I've filled the gap in, Paul. Just take a step and get on board. I'm like, where are you going though? Where's the tube going? Just trust me. This tube's going and going and going. Your destiny will be safe on this tube. Just trust me where I take you on this journey. You're going to see some amazing things. You're going to discover some things. There's no evil on this train. There's no evil on this tube. But you can't get over that gap, Paul. But I've come to you and I've filled the gap so that you can get onto the train. You can get on with my plan. You can get on with the purpose I have for you. A new destiny is yours today. And I've, I've filled that gap and I've made it available that you can get on the train and enjoy the journey. It might not always be easy. You may have ups, you may have downs, but I'll guarantee you, you, your future and your destiny is safe in me because I'm everlasting and I don't change and I'll have my hand upon you and I'll keep you safe for the rest of your life and for eternity with me. So just look at the gap, right? Mind the gap. Don't try and do it yourself and step on board that I've filled the gap. That's pretty good. And that baby thinks so too. Rejoicing in the house of God. But we have to mind the gap. We have to be aware that there is a gap between us and that God came to fill that gap. It's called our sin, our wrong, our rebellion. Whatever you want to call it, we all have fallen short and we all have a gap between us and God. But God has filled the gap. It's your choice to believe the promise and receive the exchange. The righteousness of God through Christ Jesus is available for you. How did he do that? He paid for your sin on the cross. The blood of Jesus that was holy and pure and nothing wrong with it was poured out for you so that when you receive the promise, what happens is his blood purifies you. It was paid for death, for sin, once and for all. The sacrifice of God on the cross, known as the lamb out of the Old Testament, was sacrificed once and for all. No more sacrifices are needed to be made right with God. His sacrifice is sufficient once and for all. Many of us try and deal with our old things and exchange it within ourselves and work it through ourselves. But God says, don't do that. Bring it to me. Bring it to the the cross. Accept that I died for you. Bring it to me, your shame. Bring it to me, your guilt. I've paid for it. And let me receive it and receive the goodness that I have for you. Right standing with me. You now become a child of me. You have my joy, you have my peace in your life because you're made right with me. You didn't do it, I did it. You just have to trust me and believe in me. That's a pretty good exchange. Whether it's a bureau de change or bureau de change. Whatever it is, I'm not bothered because in all the other languages, we'll use something else. God did the business and he did it for you. It's something to die for somebody who you love. It's another thing to die someone who you don't love or to die somebody who is your enemy. And the Bible says that people have all been enemies to God. Yet God didn't look at you and go, I'm not having nothing to do with them. I'm going to come and love them and die for them even when they were my enemies. That blows my mind. 
All we have to do is believe, hear the promise, and receive the exchange. And the last thing is this. I'm just going to move on because of time. You know, listen, for me, the story of Easter is, is an amazing thing. But it's only amazing if you actually hear it and receive it for yourself. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't understand. I heard the message, but it meant nothing to me. It only meant something to me when I heard the promise that I could have a new start, that God forgave me, and I received the promise, and then God did something inside of me. It then came alive in me. But I had to recognize that actually I was having a bad day, and I needed God to turn my bad or good Friday into a resurrection Sunday. And that's what he did. When I trusted his word, trusted his forgiveness, and he did an exchange within me. In the, in the Old Testament, there's an amazing story, or an account, should I say, of God rescuing his people out of captivity. who were there for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was impossible for them to get out. God sent a man, and he showed amazing miracles to rescue them out of Egypt, and then he took them from Egypt to somewhere where he promised. He promised a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that's just like you. God's got a promise for your life. He wants to take you somewhere on a journey to live in his promises. But you can only get in them promises, like I said, by believing in God and receiving Jesus and receiving his exchange and his goodness. But when they were going into this land where it promised, what was there was they said God's word to them was it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Anybody like honey? Tithe the next to you. Hey, honey. Oh, no! Okay, right. Honey, I don't even like honey, okay? So if, if I was one of these, I'd be like, I'm not going there, I'm going back to Egypt. I don't even like honey, okay? But it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And, the, and what they reckon it was is because in that land, there were palm trees. And the palm trees on them were very fruitful. And on the palms, this is one of the ideas what they think, historians think, on the palms were these dates. And there was lots of them. And from the dates, they could take many things. And one of the things were that they could have was honey. And the, pretty much they could live on these palm trees. It was known as the land of the palms, Canaan, Palestine. And there was a city there that was called Jericho. And Jericho, which was um, the most fortified city, walls that were impossible to break down. They, when they were going into their promised land, had to first take this stronghold down, but they knew it was impossible to take. It was known as the City of the Palms because it had these beautiful, upright palms, the most majestic, upright things that you've seen in the land were in Jericho. And it was impossible for them to do, but they knew with God that all things were possible. And what I've discovered about these palms, and this is linked to this exchange, With the palms, what they would do is, to make them fruitful, the palm trees were male and female. So, any scientists out there, or maybe people who understand the process of reproduction, right? You need an exchange. Would you agree? Please help me on this. I think I've learned it, right? (laughs) Discovered it. You need an exchange. You need the male pollen transfer over to the female pollen. Agree? Yeah? Yeah? So that it produces fruit. 
do we need a lesson? Do, do we need a school lesson on this? No, no. Right? In order to be fruitful, you needed a transfer of the male over to the female in order for the tree to produce fruit. You'll, you'll see where I'm going in a minute. But the problem was, it didn't always happen because the palms are in different places. So, you got so, many. so what they used to do was this. They used to go up to the tree, they used to get the male pollen, and they cut it off. And then they'd take it to the female tree, and they'd hang it on the tree so that they would perfect the pollination, and fruit would be perfected. Listen, for you to understand, to get victory in your life, it's not going to come by doing it in your own strength. It's going to come when you understand that Jesus was cut off, he was crucified, he was killed, and he was hung on a tree for you. See, fruitfulness doesn't come in your own strength. Victory does not come in your own strength. Eternal life won't come in your own strength. It only comes when you recognize you need something in your life that is going to bring an exchange and a deposit to make you fruitful. Jesus was cut off, he was crucified, and he was hung on a tree. It says of those palms, they were known as upright. They were known as majestic. They were known as strong. When we receive Jesus, recognizing our weakness, we can have an exchange and a transfer into our lives that makes us right and upright and strong and also gets us to produce fruit and fruitful in this world. How does that happen when we recognize we need Jesus in our lives? He was cut off and crucified, but that life can be transferred over to us because we know we are struggling and we need life, if we're honest, and God can bring transformation to your life from the inside out. Another fact about them palm trees, I like palm trees, can you tell? Palm trees, this, palm trees grow from the inside out. Some trees grow from the outside in. Palm trees grow strong from the inside out. God wants to make you strong from the inside out. He wants to rebuild you and restore you. How does he do that? He removes the rubbish and he puts in the good things. Tell you how much he loves you, how much he adores you. What happens then? You begin to feel like you've never felt before. You get your head lifted high because there's no shame, there's no guilt. And you begin to walk as though you should walk. You shake off disappointment because God encourages you. Your life begins to change from the inside out. I will get on to my last point and then I'm finished. So, for us to discover what this meant, we've got to believe the promise, hear the promise, sorry, receive the exchange. And the last one is this, discover the victory. There's a victory for you. There's a story that you've got to tell. There's a testimony, as the church word we would often use, for your life. But you've got to discover that victory for yourself by receiving Jesus and overcoming. Let's read what it says in John 20, 13 to 17. This is somebody who knew Jesus, who was disappointed and discouraged, but discovered the victory that Jesus had. It says, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary... She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, 
Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and my Father to my, to my God and your God. So this is a woman who saw the defeat, saw in the eyes of the world a bad day. Jesus had a bad day. But then she discovered the victory the other side of that bad day. She came across a God who was risen. She came across a God who defeated death. She came across a God who defeated sin. She came across a God who was now king above all things. She discovered him for herself. She was the first one to find him. I want to encourage you, discover God for yourself. Discover what God has done. The victory he's given you over death. The victory he's given you over sin that we all wrestle with. The victory that he's got for you to discover, not when you die, but in this world. There's a victory for us to discover. What I find really interesting about that is, Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me. I was thinking, I wonder if he smelled. <laughs> He'd had no BO on that. You've got a lot of BO going on. No, no links was available. Jesus was like, don't hold on to me, I smell. Or don't hold on to me, I've got too much blood on me. Or don't hold on to me, I'm, I'm, you know? No, no, no. The reason was this. There was a promise that the father needed to fulfill. And he was holding on to that promise. And he knew what was the other side. There was an exchange that had to happen still for those believers. The father had promised the Holy Spirit. He'd promised to pour out his spirit. And Jesus knew If he didn't go to the Father, he couldn't send the Spirit. Why is that important? Because we only get victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. We only get victory when we receive God's Spirit. Otherwise, it just becomes a message on a screen in a book. But when we hear the message and the promise, and we receive the exchange, which is God's forgiveness, which is the Holy Spirit to dwell in each of us, to make us stronger from the inside, to wash us and cleanse us of our sins, to get rid of our shame and our guilt, he begins to change us from the inside out. But many of us have an image of what we think God is like. But we have to remove that image and discover him personally for ourselves. Jesus knew that she couldn't hold on to him. Don't hold on to this image you have of God, but discover God afresh and anew for yourself. When the Spirit was poured out into their lives, they became sons and daughters of God. They became new creations. The old was gone. They had a new life. They discovered for themselves a promise. They discovered an exchange, and they discovered a victory that was in God. They'd been made right with God, and they had a good news to tell. Church, we've got the gospel. We've got good news. You've been made right with God. You've had forgiveness of sins. You've got joy and peace. I don't know where you're at with that, but maybe you need some more joy and peace. Maybe you need to let go of some things that you have in your life to discover a victory that you've never had before. That's what I believe God wants for you, is a victory in this world. It's no good having the victory when you die and go to heaven because nobody's heard about it here. God's got a promise for people here and he's got a victory for you in your life. He wants you to overcome sin and death. He wants to teach you how to do that, the things that have a hold on your life and he wants you to let go of them so that you can have a new star and a new life in this world. That's the good news. That's why Jesus died for you, to give you everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, making you right with God. He did it for you. You just need to receive it and believe it. Believe it and receive it. He held on to the promise He exchanged all of your wrong for his good, which still blows my mind, and gives us victory eternally, but in this world. The victory became alive and real for them.
I'm going to pray. Please join me in prayer. And then we're going to sing a song and declare he's risen. And I'm going to pray a prayer for each one of us in here that this Easter that will receive God's peace. And maybe you're here, you're not a believer, or you know, maybe you've got questions, but you can be made right with God today. Not because what you do, but because what God has done. And I think this, this, is, this is the God who's alive, is still alive, but he speaks to you by his spirit. Not through a man, not through walking on this earth, but he uses people to bring a message through people, but by his spirit. So if you're here today and you're listening to this message, you could have been in church a while, but not really discovered the victory that God has for you. Not understood the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that lives in you. And I'm going to pray a prayer for you to receive God's spirit today. I'm going to pray a prayer, maybe for the first time you've not received God, for the forgiveness of your sins and you can be made right with God. And you can join me in this prayer. So Father God, thank you that you died for me I thank you that you took on my sin and I thank you that you poured your goodness into my life I received that in the name of Jesus Christ forgive us Father when we mess up we choose your forgiveness and we choose your peace in the name of Jesus And I pray for every person here this Easter, this season ahead, to discover God afresh, to be renewed, to be refreshed, discover the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in their lives, to take down walls that they didn't even realize they could take down, to get stronger from the inside out, to receive and be fruitful like they've never been before. Father, I pray for that exchange to happen in their lives. God, cause resurrection power to be revealed. May they discover victory in you like they've never known before and give you the praise. In the name of Jesus, amen.